0: Yes, I'm so excited. I got some new coffee beans from Verb downtown. Oh my god, they smell so good, you guys. Hey there, how's everyone doing? I'm Emily and welcome back to My Caffeine Withdrawal. I'm really happy you guys tuned into this episode because we have someone very special and very talented on the show today Grammy nominated songwriter JP Sachs. I wish you could smell how good these are. I got the Buena Vista, it's like a darker roast. He's really reaching so many people all over the world right now with his music, particularly with his song, If the World Was Ending. And he's had so much success and excitement in the last year. I was curious to see how he was feeling and how he was celebrating these special career wins in this lockdown world we're all living in right now. JP and I connected over Zoom one morning And I learned so much about him. JP tells me a bit about his grandpa, a Holocaust survivor and cellist who he has drawn so much inspiration from. And we get into talking about what TV shows and board games have been keeping him and his girlfriend, Julia Michaels, entertained in this lockdown world. Julia is, of course, also a very talented and accomplished musician and songwriter and is the co-writer and co-performer on If the World Was Ending. You'll also want to be sure to stick around to the very end because JP performs a medley over Zoom of two of my favorite songs of his, Same Room and Three Minutes. Now, JP doesn't drink coffee, but we did start off the chat talking about his love of yerba mate, and he did get into his best-case scenario morning routine. All right, here we go. I'm going to use my... Ooh, little mug I got in Japan. Such a yummy coffee. Your manager was saying he's probably not going to drink coffee, but you drink like yerba mate? Are you drinking now? He was now? right.
1: He knows me super well. <laughs> I'm set. It's all set up. Fun story about yerba mate. Okay. When I first started working with um, my production partner, Ryan Marone, my entrance fee to the studio was showing up with two of these Okay. <laughs> and we always used to joke that one day we, we would make music successful enough that yerba mate would just sponsor us and give it to us for free. Yes. And it happened.
0: Oh, my God.
1: We made it.
0: Your vision came true. You had a goal.
1: <laughs> I visualized the Yerba Mate sponsor, and now I am caffeine sponsored.
0: That is incredible. So free Yerba Mate for you for a, a while, I guess.
1: <laughs> exactly. Just very hopped up in the studio for life.
0: Yeah. And does Yerba Mate, it's not caffeine, right? But there's some sort of like stimulant or it is caffeine.
1: It's caffeine. So you're the caffeine expert because, we're well,
0: we're on my caffeine withdrawal.
1: We're on your caffeine withdrawal podcast. But I, in my very limited layman research, I learned that different kinds of caffeines affect your body differently. So if you switch up caffeines day to day, you actually get like a different sort of energy from coffee or tea or five hour energy drinks or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me because actually this week I randomly started drinking matcha. I thought I didn't like it, but I think I just wasn't having like the right kind. And like I have been drinking that a little bit more and it doesn't quite give me the same buzz. Sure. (laughs) I like it, but it's like fine. But like coffee definitely like gives me more of the, I don't know. I like the like extra anxiety. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of like a different kind of buzz that you get.
1: I mean, it might just be the the buzz of knowing you're doing something that isn't necessarily good for you. (laughs) Maybe. The health consciousness of matcha just takes all the thrill out of the energy. (laughs) Yeah,
0: my my coffee is a little bit bad, so it's like exciting at the beginning of the day. Exactly. (laughs) So when you get up in the morning, do you have any sort of like morning routine with this whole coronavirus? Like I'm just guessing that like before this, you were probably doing a lot of traveling. I saw that you were touring with Lennon. You're touring a bunch. So, have you found any sort of routine in this?
1: I'm going to give you two answers to this question. Okay. Okay. So, the first answer is my best case scenario answer that I know that my mental health thrives if I can maintain a pretty strict morning routine. It's like the best thing I can do for my anxiety. It's the best thing I can do for just feeling physically at peace during the day. If I can wake up with my phone in a different room, shower before I look at my phone then have breakfast before I look at my phone, then check a couple emails, then exercise, and then start my day. That's like my ideal situation. That probably happens once a month.
0: I was just going to say, how do you keep your phone in a different room? I've heard of people telling me to do this, and I just, I can't seem to do it. I guess because it's everything. Your alarm clock, your... And then I got an alarm clock for my room so that I wouldn't...
1: I feel it rewiring my brain in negative ways to look at my phone first thing in the morning. I know it's bad for me, but I still do it nine times out of 10. Like yeah. I did it this morning. set my alarm because it's just slightly easier than yeah. setting the alarm clock. And I was already watching, I was binging a Amazon Prime show before I went to sleep, which is also bad for my brain. I'm aware of how I can like set up routines that will just make me healthier. I just, it's the execution of those routines that I'm struggling with.
0: Yeah, they say you have to do it like a certain number of days in a row for it to become more like more of a habit and more of something that happens naturally and you don't have to like use your willpower. So then like exercise is sort of the end of your morning routine. And then is that when you're sort of like headed to the studio or writing sessions
1: or? I have been writing every single day. So I've, I've been in the studio and I've been writing every day and I've been finishing the album, which has been so fun.
0: Wow, that's exciting.
1: I'm sure you can relate to this as an artist. There's like the part of our job that's the art and there's the part of our job that's the business around the art. Mm-hmm. It comes in waves. Like Sometimes I feel like I'm 80% a business person trying to make a career for my art. In some days, it's like I'm just 100% the artist. It kind of like comes in waves. So usually the day starts with like two hours of taking the meetings, like talking to different people and and just doing the entrepreneurial stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Where I find the most joy is when I arrive at the studio and everything kind of just ceases to exist and it's all about just making a song I love.
0: Yeah, I totally get that.
1: What would you say your percentage is? Like your percentage of working on your art itself and working on making a business for the art that you've made?
0: Yeah, I've gone through different waves. I feel like I'm much happier when I can just sort of like turn off my phone and work on a song or if I have an audition coming up. And I will do that when I have auditions, I'll turn off my phone and set a timer and be like, I'm focusing on the scene because I get so like, oh, there's an email and something I need to respond to. And I just want to like focus on being creative and, you know, working. And that's way more satisfying at the end of the day if I have a new song or if I feel really good about, you know, a scene or whatever. I started doing this thing where I maybe like would kind of group it. So like, oh, this day I'll be more of a business person. Because I have a hard time getting out of the business mode because it's so like addictive because you're usually like on your phone, on your computer. So I started trying to like group it. Like today's more of like a businessy day. It's interesting that you bring it up because I follow you on Instagram and I, I haven't like um done like a really deep dive or anything. <laughs> like I haven't like I haven't like totally stalked you or anything. But I did notice that you are really good with it. Like I do notice when you post and you do a lot of like the Instagram lives and I'm curious your relationship to Instagram, how are you like managing that or do you feel like it comes naturally to you?
1: If I think of it as Instagram, I fucking hate it. Okay. If I think of it as like, what are my feelings about Instagram? Inherently negative.
0: Really? Just because like of the addictive nature?
1: Yeah, well I have to separate the like the platform to what I'm using the platform for. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, as an entity in themselves, very negative opinions. But the opportunity to talk to fans that I can have meaningful conversations with in parts of the world I've never been to, that's the best thing in the world.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: There's nothing I love more than that. The ultimate reward of my career is that I get to make these songs that are so personal and so connected to myself. And then those songs find their way to people that I then get to have these meaningful connections with that I otherwise wouldn't. I'm cognizant of the fact that right now, the way I do that is on these platforms. So I try not to think of it as like, okay, I'm gonna try and like be good at Instagram today. It's more like, I'm gonna try and have a conversation with people that I really care about today. I try and think of it like a tool and especially like in quarantine when i can't be touring around the world like you know setting up just like we're set up right now and yeah. playing songs on the piano is is the is the best i kind of got
0: yeah so I mean, there is sort of like an acceptance of like the tools that are available. Like you said, like even with this podcast, I was so resistant to just like start a season two because I was like, no, because season one, like they like we had this whole thing where they would like make me a drink and like whatever they or maybe you'd bring me a year from on, And I was like sort of resistant in a certain way. And then like partway through quarantine, it was sort of like, how can I be like grateful for like the fact that Instagram, like you said, you can reach fans all over the world and it's a tool, make sure that you're using it rather than like it taking you.
1: <laughs> That's a hard balance to find as a mindset because I'm a connection purist. Yeah. like I'm all about sitting in a room with someone and looking them in the eye and having a genuine conversation and just kind of the mystical energy that happens between people sharing space and connecting on a level that I don't think our technology will ever supplement. But with that said, me being a curmudgeon in my living room sitting alone with myself refusing to use technology wouldn't get me anywhere so we have to use what we can and this is the best we got
0: yeah my mom said something to me like ever since this quarantine thing happened we have decided to do these little like family call-ins either once a week or every other week And she was like, honestly, I feel like I see you guys more in a way because we've committed to this way of communication and everybody in my family can be very like independent and in their own worlds. And I don't know, in some ways, like this is the way we have to connect. So like we're almost like indulging in it more in a way that I don't know, maybe for some reason my mom found it satisfying. I don't know why I read that. But just that like you're commi- you're making a really conscious effort now to connect. You're from Canada, right? That's what I I'm read. from Canada, okay, yeah. Okay, cool. Have you been able to connect with your family through this thing?
1: My dad lives in Toronto still. I think it's the longest I've ever gone in my entire life without seeing him. Yeah. My dad and I are really close. So we're always talking on the phone. So I- I'm not sure if it's more or less, but we're still finding our ways to stay close. Another thought I had was, one of the silver linings of all of this mm-hmm. is I think has leveled the playing field for fans of artists mm. because in 2019, if you liked my music and you lived in LA, you had a lot more access to me performing. but now you know you could live in Turkey or Amsterdam and you have the same access to me performing as someone who lives down the street yeah. And because of that, I'm I'm also performing a lot more on the internet. So, if anything, I'm actually spending more time with fans in other parts of the world than I would have in a non COVID year, which is cool.
0: Yeah. All the special things that you're doing, and like you're connecting with so many people all over the world and getting like noticed by different publications. And I was wondering about like, during this time, how do you celebrate that? I mean, maybe last year, you're probably going to lots of events or things like that. And I can tell that like the actual making of it is really important to you and probably where you get a buzz, you know, of like when you just make the song, but when you have success, like you wanna also be able to celebrate it. And how do you do that now?
1: I think a lot of the way we emotionally internalize anything is sort of in flux Um, certainly for my community and my friends, Mm -hmm. like whether it's a career win or a breakup or life achievement, like everything is a little bit stranger to process Yeah, because we don't get to do it with our community in the same way. It kind of puts this weird perspective on how alone you are with your core people for everything that happens. And I've seen some extremes of that because, you know, on the one hand, yeah, like this is my first big song you know this year it's the first time I've had a song like you know at top 10 radio there's been you know different like things around that that's been exciting and sure those are things to celebrate but I haven't really known how to go about processing that and then you know this is the same year my my mom died in January
0: oh my god I'm so sorry I yeah
1: and, and yeah that's also something that has been strange to process while locked in your home of course and it's something I've become kind of fascinated by, like how I know it's a, a strange angle to take on your question, but no, just how we go about processing the most meaningful parts of our life, whether they be good or tragic, has been something we're all collectively figuring out. You know, I've been I've been listening to these podcasts on Zoom birthdays and Zoom funerals and yeah. and all of these like. Very strange ways that we're looking to, like, take in our lives when we feel so isolated in them. I, I have no answers or, or, like, conclusions on this other than I just think it's it's something we're all collectively figuring out and I'm not sure we have.
0: Yeah. Also, when other parts of your life aren't seeming to be doing so well, it's a strange – like, I know sometimes when really exciting things have happened in my life, maybe I've also felt, like, guilty for, like, you know, we know that there's a lot of uh, kind of collective trauma, like –
1: You're spot on. I think it's always been true. I think it's just a little bit more obvious right now, but all of the best moments in our life happen in the context of like absolute tragedy somewhere close to us at all times. Yeah. Yeah. This one has been like particularly visible to me because it's, you know, dealing with the, you know, mourning loss of parent while having the most meaningful progress that has ever happened in my career. And You know, right. That was January. And then in February, I went on tour with Lennon in Europe. And that was my first European tour, which was amazing. And then the song, you know, If the World Was Ending, that's been, you know, a big part of my year. Had a life before quarantine. And then.
0: Yeah, I remember hearing it on the radio and being like, oh, man, this just feels like the perfect time for this song like when i heard it i was like i remember when the earthquake happened like i was singing to myself like do you remember fourth <laughs> of july like wasn't that when the, there was a bigger that's Is the that- earthquake oh really that's the one we're talking I about i was like i didn't know if that was the one you're referencing but i was gonna have people over to my house for like a fourth of july party but i remember looking out the kitchen window because i was like making food or something and i have a l- I have a pool in my backyard which is pretty cool so that's why I had my 4th of July party but the waves were like going like this I was like did something happen in my brain like (laughs) 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 like I thought I was having some sort of strange like hallucination I remember hearing the song on the radio and thinking back to that day I was like oh this is the perfect time for this song you know and just like feeling this like buzziness about the song you know wow this is special
1: well, thank you. I mean, that is the earthquake that I also felt that also inspired that song. You know, we didn't anticipate that it would it would take on a different relevance, you know, eight months yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I do think, I guess going back to your original question, how do you celebrate wins and moments like this? I think it's like a little bit of a fast forward to what's going to be important when I'm 80.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, what my life looks like a little bit right now is what I anticipated, like, when I'm retired in the sunset of my life, like these are the people I want to have around me. And this is how I'm going to celebrate, like just alone in my home with people I love. It feels like that, like we've skipped ahead decades in the process of how I was going to internalize things. Yeah. I mean, it's just been a lot of like phone calls with people I love and like little quiet cheers just with me and my girlfriend. So it's nice, it's, it's lovely. It's, it's quiet and subtle, but it's lovely.
0: I mean, in some ways, that's extra special because, you know, in different times, like in my career where things have been busy, sometimes it's been like, oh, there's no time. Like everyone else is going to the party, but I have to like go to the thing tomorrow. And you know what I mean? So in some ways, having that time, just like you said, like with your close friends and at home, and that's it can be its own kind of special. And
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's the most real. It's take away all the bullshit. Like, who do you want to be with in those moments?
0: Yeah, for real.
1: And I think that's like what everyone's kind of going through. It's like either... (laughs) Either you really are very happy to be with those people or you're like, oh, fuck, are these the people I want to be with?
0: Yeah, for real. Like they say, like people are either getting like married or like, di- like, see you later divorce, because they're like, oh, this there's nothing to distract me now from what this is. As you've been finishing your album, are you finding like what we're going through now seeping in or is it more like reflecting on other things you wanted to write and reflecting on life before COVID or?
1: I have found in my limited experience that no matter what people are going through, the people they love are usually the thing they spend the most time thinking about. Whether you're in a a war zone or a pandemic or just a dramatic LA friend group, I think usually where most of our internal dialogues are, are just on the people we love. Yeah. And all that to say, I don't think the subject matter of my songs has changed all that much because, at the end of the day, when I sit down to write, I'm, I'm thinking about the people I love, whether it be my friends or my family or my partner. That's kind of where I live when I'm when I'm journaling, when I'm creating.
0: Yeah, I totally relate to that. Even in if the world was ending, it's like the focus of the song is the like, oh, will you be my person? Would you come over or whatever? But like the atmosphere is seeps in, I guess, in a way. Exactly.
1: At least the people around me. I can't speak for everyone, but at least in my community, we're all just obsessed with people, with other people, with people are the most fascinating thing in the world to me. I love my friends and I love my relationship and I love just leaning into the way my perspectives on things grows and just being fascinated with my own experience of the people around me and how that changes and how that grows and how I, how I learn throughout that. And I think that's like the lifeblood of at least my art.
0: Yeah. Now, did you grow up in Toronto or was it like a smaller town that you grew up in?
1: We lived in King City. Okay. Which is like 45 minutes outside of Toronto, small farm town. But Toronto was like where I spent most of my time in the city.
0: Oh, okay. And um, were your parents like listening to something in particular or were you always just playing music?
1: My grandfather was a classical cellist. So the concept of being a musician for a living wasn't totally foreign to my family, which I'm very grateful for.
0: Yeah.
1: When I told my parents I wanted to go into music, it wasn't like, why would you throw your life away? You're going to be miserable forever. How have we raised someone <laughs> to have such obnoxious ideas? Right. It was like, all right, well, if that's what makes you happy, I guess it's possible because my grandfather had done it. And although I'm not in classical music, I very much try and maintain the the philosophies he had about music. And he was a phenomenal cellist, like one of the greatest of all time, which was extraordinarily intimidating.
0: Do you remember seeing him play anywhere?
1: Yeah, I saw him perform a couple times, but more so, I saw him teach master classes in Bloomington, Indiana. He performed all over the world. He, you know, won Grammys and concerts in every country. Just had this absolutely incredible life. And was an incredible man, had an amazing life. He was a Holocaust survivor, the only one of his brothers to survive and just had these unbelievable stories. And a lot of my ideas around, you know, why it matters to be an artist stem from conversations with him because he was so committed. He talked about getting to the bottom of beauty. And I think as a solo instrumentalist, it's all about subtlety. It's all about nuance. You dedicate your whole life to just getting absolute minute beauty out of an instrument, playing the same pieces that everyone else is playing. Because in classical music, you have kind of a set repertoire. And that kind of dedication to beauty is a kind of humanity that's the opposite of the horrors he saw at the beginning of his life.
0: Yeah, There's
1: something so uniquely human about that. Only a human could do that. And I think experiencing it brings you closer to your own humanity and when I think about lyricism, when I think about songs, whether I'm talking about love or pain or joy or friendship, whatever it is, I think if you can really like get to the bottom of a human feeling that like makes people feel closer to their own selves when they're listening to it, that like that contributes a good to the world.
0: Yeah, for sure. So if he taught master classes, how old were you when you would see him do this? And is there anything else from his classes that you remember him saying that has stuck with you?
1: I remember him being like very, very articulately cruel to people.
0: Interesting.
1: I, I saw him make people cry a couple times. And he was so obsessed with like properly getting the piece out, you know, getting getting this piece of music out. And the way he thought about the cello was, it was the instrument for the song. And I don't just mean instrument like literally instrument. It was an It was an instrument for this piece of music. You were the instrument. So if he saw people, it was more about them. If he thought they were being boisterous or 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 he, he was feeling their ego or their presentation more than he was just feeling like they were being a vessel for the music. He fucking tore them down. And it was, a, I mean, it was a little terrifying because <laughs> I was like 12. But it
0: instilled probably some like a little bit of that fear discipline, you know, thing that happens.
1: <laughs> I mean, for better or for worse, something I do think about a lot with my own music, and I remind myself in the process of creating the songs, is that I'm never trying to make you think something about me with the music. I'm trying to make you think something about you with the music.
2: Mm,
0: yeah. Like one of my favorite songs of yours is, well, I love Three Minutes and Same Room. Yeah. And the reasons I like those songs is because it's like the line about going to the bathroom, like trying to weave your way to so you avoid the yeah. other person. Like I've done that. And so has like everyone where you've been like someone you used to be so close to, you're now like planning your exit from um and you're trying not to be close to when you're drawn to them so like i thought of like my scenario of that you know and then like three minutes similar I'm like oh that's the best kind of partnership where you're not in competition where you're like on the same team and that's the kind of goal of a relationship I would want and like what everyone wants is they want to feel like they have a team member you know
1: totally I always joke that Julie and I are extremely competitive in things that don't really matter like Bananagrams or Jeopardy (laughs) like one (laughs) wait (laughs) who's better
0: who's better at Bananagrams
1: (laughs) begging on the fact that if she does listen to this she will miss this part but I'm <laughs> definitely definitely better at Bananagrams.
0: right <laughs> she's she's
1: very good and she whoops my ass at scrabble but
0: you're a good match <laughs> yeah and
1: depending on the board game we're, we're pretty evenly matched she usually wins at connect four I usually win at Bananagrams. although she would resent me saying that Jeopardy, we're probably like, depending on the category, if we watch Jeopardy together, we're probably getting most of the same questions, but she probably gets a few more than I do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, extremely competitive in things that don't matter, not competitive at all in the things that are important to our lives. And, you know, because we do the same thing, there is the potential for competition if either of us let our insecurities get the best of us. But I think both of us believe so deeply in one another. I mean she's fucking incredible she's like my favorite songwriter on the planet
0: yeah she's so good
1: and it's such a fun feeling to admire the person you love it's so much fun when you when when you can take away the part of you that's like ever comparing yourself to those people and just like seeing yourself in in unison in harmony where it's like you know it's never oh fuck she's amazing does that like somehow make me less it's like oh, fuck, she's amazing. And if anything, that makes me feel great about myself because my girlfriend's amazing.
0: What are you guys watching during quarantine?
1: Um, I've been watching a show on Prime called The Boys by myself.
0: Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet, but I've been wanting to.
1: That one's really good. I just finished season one. It's just nice to see superheroes be the bad guys. Yeah. And there's a new season of Shark Tank. We've watched every other season rerun. Mm -hmm. So... Stoked about the new ones. We I've gotten very um, holistic about my my Shark Take watching. I will if there's food products, I will order them in advance so I can eat the food products with the sharks when they do the presentations. It's the dorkiest thing that's come out of my quarantine, but it's really fun. I can guess like who's going to invest what for what amount. It's become like a whole.
0: That's your entrepreneurial side with music and <laughs> your.
1: Totally, I have a few like periphery dreams, and one of them is definitely to be like one of the musicians who goes on Shark Tank, like accompanying an entrepreneur to okay. just like do those like tacky presentations at the beginning. Someday I'm going to do it.
0: Someday. I mean, you made your Mate happen.
1: <laughs> That's true. I'm I'm manifesting my, my moment on Shark Tank.
0: Yeah, it's going to be amazing.
1: If um, you have any products, if you have any products that you're going to pitch on Shark Tank and you need like someone to perform, like, you know, to do the presentation, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, you could be, like, providing just, like, the backup, like, piano as they're, like, showing a slideshow or whatever. Well, did you want to maybe sing a song for us today?
1: Oh, sure. Any requests?
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah, maybe play, like, either Same Room or Three Minutes since those are my favorites.
1: Okay, Same Room, Three Minutes. I could probably medley them together.
0: Okay, yeah, let's do that. (laughs)
2: I get insecure for stupid reasons. I tell myself I shouldn't, but I feel it. And you get kind of stubborn on your wrong You're just kind of stubborn overall. I don't intend on holding it against you. I understand what comes from what we've been through. Like, I'm afraid you won't meet me halfway. Yeah. You're afraid I won't want to stay. I think love that put a second we both know way too much about each other's exes it really should have been us so long but you got a lot of great songs, but a lot of shit guys, you did more with three minutes they will do with their lives and we'll buy us our with our great songs, fuck everybody else who ever treated us a lot of great songs but a lot of shit guys You need more in three minutes than they'll do with their lives We'd buy us houses without heartbreak songs Fuck everybody else Who ever treated us oh. You get really quiet When we fight I talk too much but I just want to fix it right away. And To their lives We'll buy yourselves houses with our heartbreak songs Fuck everybody else who ever treated us Whoever treated us
1: This is a very emotionally disconnected medley, but here
2: we go anyway Okay <laughs> I watched a TED talk on our brain He had a smart person accent He said don't look through the photos And then I looked through our photos He came to Portugal in 2014 Just to spend a couple days with me You flew halfway around the world for me Now we can't even be Hey, how are you? We can't even be in the same room. We can't even
0: be in the same room. Yay. Thank you so much for that.
1: You're so welcome. I got like
0: my own little private instagram live concert (laughs) like or me and mia did
1: it's nice to actually see people's faces when i'm performing so very happy to sing for you and mia
0: whenever you go through the breakup you start googling the like how do i make this feeling stop you know how do i how do i get better and it's like
1: yeah feel it till you don't
0: yeah i know i've i've done all the i've done the searches and then been like okay i'm not gonna yeah look at the instagram i'm not going to look at the pictures and then you just the only thing that really works is just you just one day don't care as much or you feel better exactly
1: (laughs) although deleting the deleting the photos definitely helps
0: yeah yeah getting rid of reminders so you don't have like the mental triggers
1: and all of that but absolutely yeah mental triggers are 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 good to good to avoid for sure
0: yeah um well what are you doing the rest of the day I guess you're- what am I doing
1: today? I'm I'm gonna go to a studio other than this one. Yes. To finish two songs that I'm really excited about. I've written like four songs that I think are gonna end up on the album in the last three weeks.
0: You're feeling like inspired, energized.
1: I mean, in a sense, I've been working on this record for like a decade. It's like the culmination. It's my first album. This is like my first proper album. So everything is fair game. And I've been doing this thing in the studio where. For so long, I would go into the studio and all I would think about is, I'm just going to make something I love. I'm going to make something that right now I would love, and that's all I'm going to care about. I'm going to be sincere in the lyric. I'm going to make sure everything feels like the truth, and I'm going to make sure I love the song. That was just my guiding principle. I've added a little detail recently, where along with trying to write songs that 27-year-old current me would love, I'm trying to think about what 15-year-old me would love, and it's turned into some like interesting songs because... I'm thinking about it less analytically and like all the pretentiousness of my current perspective on music is just gone because I'm just thinking, what would I have loved before I knew what made it something I loved?
0: Yeah. What do you think the switch was? Like what made you start thinking like that?
1: Honestly, I think it was just like recognizing that there's so much music that I love that's just like fun and that I can still speak the way I speak in songs and have it like, Be lighthearted Like I wrote a song The other day That straight up Sounds like a Backstreet Boy song (laughs) And it makes me So happy Yeah And I just want to Listen to it over And over again And what's more Of a sign Than like Wanting to listen To a song Over and over again That it should be The song you put out
0: Do you have anyone Else in the studio With you Are you spending Just more time Like by yourself, or do you have like a producer there like to bounce ideas off?
1: Yeah, I have like a core team. It's like myself, Ryan Morone, who's like my the he's executive producing the album with me. And then there's a couple other producers who I'm working with. And then I've recently been working with um this uh artist and writer named Amy Allen, who I highly recommend checking out. She's really incredible. And a lot of those like newer songs that I'm in love with are songs I've written with Amy, and she's just so, so good.
0: Oh, that's so nice. You found a collaborator, a match, soul match <laughs> or something.
1: There's a few writers who I've worked with that like there's just kind of this spark and I, and there's honestly very few. There's like
0: Of course. Working yeah.
1: with Julia, working with Amy, working with Ryan and and it just you know, where you you meet and it's like it's like having conversational chemistry except yeah. the conversation turns into a song at the end.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that's the thing. That's great. Wow, I'm so happy for you and i'm excited to hear this album when it comes out though i'm sure it'll take a minute because like we said at the beginning like business stuff and
1: first few months of next year is what i'm hoping for
0: wow then that's a pretty quick turnaround that'll feel satisfying that's awesome
1: i'm really i can't wait for you to hear it
0: oh yeah i'm getting real excited about it
1: well thank you so much for having me i really appreciate you you welcoming me and sharing your time
0: I'll probably be seeing you on Instagram and (laughs) someday we'll get coffee or Yerba or I'll have your Yerba Mate like in person. We'll have like a... (laughs) I would love that. Yeah, that would be so fun. I mean, we're both in LA. So like, yeah, we should do do it. it. Okay, cool. All right. Well, We'll see you later. See you later. I really liked getting into some relationship stuff with JP. I feel like he gave me some... Good advice. Also, in other JP news, he just released a new song with another amazing artist, Marin Morris, one of my favorite country artists, just in the last couple weeks. And the song is called Line by Line, and I've already listened to it a bunch of times. It is so very good, so definitely check it out. I hope that you enjoyed this conversation today, and I hope you learned something new about JP I hope that if you liked it, you'll share with your friends and rate and subscribe. Every little bit helps out the podcast. And also don't be shy to say hi on social media. I love getting notes and it really encourages me to keep making this podcast. If you find yourself really wanting to keep the conversation going in terms of coffee and music, you can join the Facebook group, which I will link in the show notes along with a couple of other things JP and I talked about today. I will see you guys next week. And thank you so much for helping me to cure my caffeine withdrawal.